today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. weight that was on your heart and, and in your mind and, and tearing at your spirit, even this morning, those things, understand regardless of what it is, each and every one of those things, they're temporary. They may be necessary. They're definitely inconvenient, but God's plan is working and moving. And so we have the opportunity. Am I going to fight against that plan Or in the midst of that great inconvenience and that great struggle, am I simply going to say, Lord, I am yours? God's plan has been at work since the beginning of time, and his greatest plan was the plan of redemption. Pastor David will teach how God spoke to the fathers and how he accomplished his purposes. In the same way, he's working and moving in your life today. Through every struggle you're dealing with, you can trust God. He sees tomorrow better than you see today. And he doesn't move according to circumstances, but according to his purposes. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. in several places within the uh, the Word of God today. Some of you might feel that you've gone back uh, years ago to the uh, vacation Bible school or the children's uh, Sunday school time with the old sword drills. Now, we've talked about that before, sword drills. How many of you don't know what a sword drill is? Okay, a few of you. That's when they say, okay, James 2 12, and then everybody turns really quick, and the first one there gets to stand up and read it. Now, I'm not going to make you stand up and read it this morning, okay? But we are going to be in, a very, in, in some assorted different places within the Scripture. We're actually going to eventually be in Hebrews chapter 1, but there's a little bit of a lead-up to that, and there's a little bit of takeaway from that as we go through. A couple of weeks ago, on Wednesday evening, I shared with you about the fact that the Word tells us, Paul writes to us in Galatians chapter 4, that God sent forth his son in the fullness of time he sent forth his son. And we looked about the fact that it came during the time of the great Roman Empire, where the great Roman Empire ruled and, and then took care of most of the what is called the known world of that time. The fullness of time was, uh, again, as the Romans were there, they, they built one of the first established and organized road systems that have ever been known to man. In the Roman Empire, they built these wonderful roads so that you could go from city to city with, with great ease, uh, without having to go through the wilderness. Again, it was the Romans that did that for the first time in the history of mankind. Not only was it good for the Romans to get their supplies to their troops, which was the main reason that they built it, but also the incoming of merchants to be able to go from city to 
to city and from area to area, but it also uh, helped us to be able to share the truth of the gospel because now that road system was there for, again, those that were missionaries, those that were believers, to be able to go from one community to the next, sharing the hope of the gospel. One of the other great things about the fullness of time being during the Roman Empire was the fact that, by and large, the world at that time was under a, a season of peace and safety. When the one that's in charge has a large sword and many of those that spread all over that area, you don't go messing with that. So by and large, it was peace and safety. It was the Pax Romana. It was a peace that was kept peaceful by the sword which allowed, again, the gospel to be able to share, be shared, uh, moving from one city, one community to another. But also, in the midst of that, it also allowed a young maiden, nine months pregnant, to be able to move fairly safely with her husband from the city of Nazareth all the way down to the city of Bethlehem. Again, because of the times that they're in. Thirdly, was during the Roman Empire, there was pretty much one language that was spoken throughout that known world. The Greek language had again taken hold during the Greek Empire, even before the Romans came, the Romans speaking both Greek and Latin. So along with the dialects of the people within their own culture, the overall language of the people during that time was Greek. Again, once again, allowing the gospel to be able to be shared so completely and so thoroughly during that time and during that season. Again, truly, the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. God had set things in order and he had brought them to that place in that time for the coming of the Lord Jesus. I, again, because of the word of God tells us that God had foreordained this. God had planned for it. And so we know when the right time came, God sent forth his son. Paul tells us in Romans chapter one that the fulfillment of what Christ's coming was was actually that long ago promise. In Romans chapter one, in verse one, he speaks about the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Again, something that God had planned in eternity past. Now, I know that some of you are probably pretty good planners. You work from a plan. You work from a list. As a matter of fact, some of you, probably back in August, you already purchased most all of your Christmas gifts, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Some of you are that well-planned. Some of you are so well-planned that you actually began shopping the day after Christmas last year, okay? That's a sickness, people. That is a sickness, okay? I don't know any other way to put that. But, but aren't you glad that God plans? That again, he's always ahead of things. He's not, God is not moved by circumstances. Do you realize that? God is not moved by circumstances. Since he is omniscient, knowing all, since he, again, is the same yesterday, today, forever, since he sees tomorrow uh, better than you and I see today, He's not moved by circumstances. He's moving and working within his plan, within his purposes. Also, 
I'm very thankful for the fact that God's not a procrastinator. I am a procrastinator, okay? If it's gotta be done at five o'clock, about 4.30, I start the work, okay? That's just the way I, but God is not a procrastinator. We know he's very seldom early, right? We want him to be early. We're saying, come on, God, get this thing done. But I tell you, just as I've shared through the last couple of weeks, he's not late. He may be late according to our understanding, but God is right on time. God is always working his plans and his purposes out through all of creation. These are plans from eternity past that are even being fulfilled today in your life and in my life and will continue to be fulfilled and completed in the days, weeks, months, and years to come should the Lord tarry. The greatest of all of his plans, though, was that God set in motion, even before the creation of the world, even before Adam and Eve sinned, God set in motion his plan of redemption before the foundation of the world. Now, that's a hopeful thing to me because God anticipated my sin. It did not take him by surprise. God knew that I was going to need, that you were going to need, that the world was going to need a redeemer. And so before the foundation of the world, the scripture tells us, God had planned and purposed to send Messiah. As a matter of fact, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter one, down in verse 20, he says, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but he was manifest in these last times for you manifest in these last times for you. Foreordained before the creation of the world, before the foundation of the world, and yet manifested, made known, revealed in what? These last times. You know what that speaks to me is? We are in the last times. Whether you agree with with those that, that, that do prophetic studies or not, the fact is, is we are in the last times. That's a confirmation, truly, of, of what God is working and doing. The, the idea of his plans before all of creation and the reality that we are now in the last times. Both of those things, so important for us to understand. So with that in mind, Take your Bibles, if you would. Let's open to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one. We read beginning in verse one of Hebrews chapter one. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, you you may or may not recognize it, but in just these first short three verses in the book of Hebrews, There's such a powerful message that's being proclaimed there. In fact, I look at these, and if we were to take time to really dissect this verse literally phrase by phrase, we would see the intensity and the power of all that he has there. But in essence, in these verses, we see the plan of God 
from before creation worked out through that process of redemption, the sending of Christ for the suffering for our sins, and then finally, that full glorification of the Son of God as he now is standing beside the throne of God, ever interceding on our behalf. He's praying for you right now. He's praying for us as we go through the issues of life, as the temptations come. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, our elder brother, our redeemer, our sacrifice, our king, who has us on his mind and is continually interceding on our behalf before the Father. And what an awesome understanding that is. Not only did he allow himself to be taken from glory, he chose to be obedient in that, put upon himself human flesh, allowed humanity and mankind to again pour out their wrath upon him. And in the midst of receiving their wrath, he took their sin upon himself and died for mankind. And what was his prayer to the father? Father, forgive them because they don't have a clue. And the unfortunate reality is most of the world today does not have a clue. And then after his death, his burial, his resurrection, he ascended up on high, now seated with that majesty on high and ever interceding on our behalf. What an awesome reality that is. We see God's plan being revealed. We see the declarations of of the prophets from years and ages ago. God's plan has always been there. It was there even before the garden, as he declared that there would be an ending point to that battle in sin. That sin, the sin first began in the garden, but it continued to grow with the heart of man. And the question would have been, what's the end of all of this sin? Because man left to himself, he remains a sinful creature. In all of our learnings, in all of our education, in all of our experience, Rather than learning to move away from sin and to become a better, more more pure creation, no, mankind simply becomes a more intelligent and a more accomplished sinner. We don't get any closer to God on our own. It's only because of the blood of Christ. Man could never redeem himself. And so God's plan, again, and I I continue to emphasize this because you and I need to fully grasp this. God's plan from eternity past was to redeem mankind to himself through the blood of his son who had come in human form. He told about that redeemer back in the garden. The first words that we have of the hope of redemption is actually in the garden. Look with me, if you would, at the words there in Genesis chapter three. In Genesis chapter three, down in verse 15, God speaking at this point in time to that deceiver, to the serpent, to again, the the embodiment, I believe, of Satan himself at that point in time. After the deceit of Eve, after Eve disobeyed God, ate of that forbidden fruit after Adam in the the fall came together with Eve and separated himself in fellowship with God because Adam sinned also. After all of that, as God came and began speaking to that serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you 
and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The uniqueness of that prophecy actually speaks of this ageless battle between the forces of Satan and the very souls of men. And there would be this continued enmity, this this hostility, this hatred, this animosity between Satan and man as Satan continually tries to destroy the very souls of those who were created in the image of God. Satan desires to destroy you because you are the creation of God in his own image. And by coming against you, Satan is coming directly against the very heart of God. Remember the words of Jesus to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus as Jesus spoke to Saul and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Jesus was already in the heavenlies. Who was receiving the persecution? The Christians. But in the grand scheme of things, when the persecutions, when the trials come to you and I, when the attacks come to our person, the reality is they're coming right to the very heart of Christ himself. And so Satan, in his battle against Christ, against God the Father, continues his attack against mankind. There's a strangeness in the phrasing here that God uses. He says there's going to be this enmity between your seed and her seed. He speaks about uh, he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Certainly, as God spoke of the seed of the woman, we we understand that he was speaking of her descendants, all that would come after her. There would be this continual battle between the forces of Satan and all of humanity. However, anyone with just the elementary understanding of the human reproductive system knows that it's the man that carries the seed and the woman carries the egg. The man's seed fertilizes that egg. So why did God speak of the seed, why didn't God speak of the seed of Adam being against the seed of the serpent? Did God say something wrong here? Did God forget how he had created man just a short time ago? No, I don't believe so. Again, God himself, even speaking prophetically to the Satan with the hearing and the understanding of both Adam and Eve there, early on declaring that there would be a virgin birth, the seed of a woman. Oh, we, we, we couldn't understand that at that point, but through the years as the prophets continued to get the revelation of God's word, God revealing himself portion by portion here, it soon came to be a clear understanding. When it says that uh, he shall bruise your head, he shall bruise your heel. For the one, there's that much more serious, even a fatal wound, a wound to the head. But the other wound is simply an inconvenience for a moment. He shall bruise, or you shall bruise his heel. Understand that the attack, even the crucifixion of Christ, was an inconvenience, but for a moment. You think, pastor, an inconvenience. My goodness, he was, he was nailed to a cross. He was, he was beaten. He was pierced. Uh, the thorns of the crown that was placed upon him, the beatings, all that he took, he, he died on that cross. But you have to understand that in the grand scheme of all of eternity, that was temporary, it was necessary, 
It was an inconvenience. An inconvenience for a moment and for a time. And the reason I want to focus in on that reality, because, beloved, everything that you and I go through in life right now is temporary. Most often it's necessary. And yes, it is an inconvenience. But you know what? God's plan has been working from eternity past. And he's working and moving in your life. Yeah, even through that situation that you're dealing with today. That weight that was on your heart and and in your mind and, and tearing at your spirit, even this morning, those things, understand regardless of what it is, each and every one of those things, they're temporary. They may be necessary. They're definitely inconvenient. But God's plan is working and moving. And so we have the opportunity. Am I going to fight against that plan or in the midst of that great inconvenience and that great struggle, am I simply going to say, Lord, I am yours. I am yours. You know what I'm going through. You know the battle that's here right now. You know the struggle that's in my life right now. And Lord, I'm surrendering to you because I know that all of this is temporary but there is a great eternity that stands yet before each one of us. Temporary, yet necessary inconvenience. You need to understand that that's what happened with Christ, but to Satan, it will be a final death blow. You know that at the end of time, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. He'll be released for a short period of time. After that, that short period of time, the Lord will come, bind him, and then cast him into that lake of fire forever and ever. That wound is the mortal wound. As with many of these prophecies, the few words that are written there in the third chapter of Genesis, again, might not have made sense at that point in time, but God through his prophets, continued to speak, even as we read in Hebrews. At various times and in various ways, God spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Not only was it the words of the prophets, but one of the things that we see throughout the word of God were the actions of the forefathers. And many of those actions speak to us even today, again, of the power of God's plan, God's purpose, and God's ending work. Still, in in the book of Genesis, we think through the prophetic types, and we, we think of Abraham, and remember, Abraham was called to take his son, his only son, Isaac, And to sacrifice him right there, that ought to be, again, a reminder to us. God sent his son, his only son, his beloved son, as a sacrifice for us. But the whole completeness of that story, in absolute obedience, Abraham, early the next morning, begins to gather supplies together. He gathers the donkeys together. He gets his men together. They get the wood for the sacrifice together. And they, together with Isaac, his son, his only son, they travel for three days to get to the place where God told him, that's where I want you to go and sacrifice your son.
As the Christmas season approaches, you can easily find yourself overwhelmed with the to-do lists, parties, gift-giving, decorating. The list goes on and on. We'd like to invite you to take a moment, however, and enjoy the peace and joy this season promotes. Remember why you're celebrating. Jesus came to live among people and love them like never before. Because of Him, you're here right now listening to this program. We hope this moment of peace renews a love for your Savior in your hearts and fills you with hope. If you'd like to hear more messages from The Open Word, you'll find them at theopenword.com. Before our time with you is up today, we'd also like to invite you to be a part of our weekly worship gatherings. Here's Pastor David with more information. Yes, we here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, we have a seat waiting for you at one of our three weekend worship services. Come by on Saturday at 6.30 or Sunday at 9 or 11 o'clock. And even Wednesday night at 6.30. We guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces, a diverse group of Jesus-loving people, all on a journey to learn more about the Savior and the truth of His Word, the Bible. Come as you are, and you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. That website again is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. We're excited to worship Jesus with you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.